In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. <laughs> the early church fathers always associated Epiphany with the baptism of Christ and the mystery of the wedding <laughs> at Cana because of the relating circumstances of the theophany, the revelation of who Christ is. And so they even said that they all happened on the same day. Obviously not in the same year, but it was always theophany, the, the epiphany, baptism, and the wedding of Cana all happened on the same day. This mystery that the church, as a good mother, asks us to consider today is also something of a theophany, a revelation of some aspect of God that comes to us in an unexpected way. Pope Benedict says, God wished to reveal himself by being born in a human family and hence the human family has become an icon of God. The human family is, in a certain sense, the icon of the Trinity because of the love between its members and the fruitfulness of that love. Thus God gave us the Holy Family whom we honor today, who are like an earthly icon, a tangible image of the divine Trinity. Each person in the family is distinct, yet they are one family united in love that isn't self-seeking, or pleasure-focused. And so the mystery of the Holy Family points us back to this central mystery of our faith, which is the Trinity. Saint Anselm presents to us his teaching on the Trinity, saying that God, the Father, is a mind with one thought, and that one thought, also called logos, which means concept, which means word, which means intelligibility, is the Son, generated by the mind. And this thought of himself is so perfect, nothing is lacking in it, otherwise it wouldn't be a perfect thought. Imperfection is a lack of something that ought to be there. So God the Father's image of himself is so perfect, it is complete enough to be a divine person, the Logos. And so the Son is generated eternally by the mind of the Father. And there is an exchange between them as they face each other this exchange is the love of self-giving, the charity of God. And in this exchange, in this self-giving love, nothing is lacking in that love. So much so, so perfect, so complete is this self-giving of each that it too lacks nothing to be a divine person which is the Holy Spirit, and therefore this revelation of the mystery of the Trinity shows us that relationality is at a primordial level. There was never a time when the Father was not Father. That means the Son was always there. You don't have a father, you don't have fathers without sons. 
You don't have sons without fathers. This relationality never began. It's eternal. Similarly, we can say the same for the Holy Spirit. And so, the Blessed Trinity is the first family, the first community. And therefore, the Holy Family is something of a revelation of that mystery. The Holy Family makes the invisible Trinity tangible for us. The love of God becomes palpable when we consider the mystery of the Holy Family. And it's important for us to take Scripture in our hands and meditate on those few words that refer to the Holy Family. Let it sink into our minds and like a good coffee maker, percolate and trickle down into our hearts so what we know through Revelation becomes the motor for our love. And then we start to understand not only our Lord better, but ourselves and our place in his life. We are temples of the Blessed Trinity, and the Blessed Trinity comes to dwell in us through grace. And so a sin is not a breaking of a rule. A sin is a breaking of a relationship. We have the Blessed Trinity in us from baptism. We lose him through grave sin. He comes back, the Blessed Trinity comes back to us in confession. But going back and forth is no way to go through life. Stability and grace means that we understand this relationship not only of the Trinity, but the Trinity with each one of us. We see another family at the very beginning of sacred scripture when our Lord creates Adam and takes from his side his bride and he blesses them. That's the first marriage. It's the first marriage. When they are blessed, there's a sacrament there. And the order is given, be fruitful and multiply. Because where there is logos, there's hierarchy. Where there's logos, there's order, there's life, and there's growth. And so when Adam beholds his bride, chosen for him by God, he sees something similar and something different. Similar in nature, they share the same human nature, but a difference in sexuality, and therefore, a complementarity. It's this otherness that makes being fruitful and multiplying possible. And therefore, the demonic hubris uh, that tries to redefine the family is returning to that original sin. You will be like gods, and you will choose what is good and what is evil. We become the final arbiters. But our Lord has already instituted this. There's nothing up for discussion. This is his will for man. Benedict says, God, by having come into the world in the bosom of a family, shows that this institution is a sure way to meet and know him. And the permanent call to work for the love and unity of all people. Now, when he speaks of unity of people, he's not speaking 
in terms of the fraternity of man. He's not speaking, he's not reiterating what Schiller says in his Ode to Joy chorus in the Ninth Symphony of Beethoven, this, it's 72 and sunny and let's just get along. He's speaking about a true unity which is the life of the Trinity in us. In other words, the unity of the Trinity dwelling in us unites us who are in grace. And this is the unity that Benedict is speaking about. Not a human convention, but a divine operation. He goes on to say, <clears throat> thus, one of the greatest services which we as Christians can offer our fellow men and women is to show them the serene and solid witness of a family founded upon marriage between a man and a woman, defending it and protecting it because it is of supreme importance for the present and future of mankind. So no matter what an activist judge decides or Supreme Court, they cannot change God's plan. This is written into the universe. This is called logos as well. Logos means intelligibility, it means truth. It means there is order. If you don't think there are two sexes, go live on a farm for two weeks, okay? You'll be convinced. It's shot through all of creation. God made it that way. So where there is no complementarity, there's no family. Where there's no openness to life, there's no family. And so the gospel today certainly reveals to us something about the Trinity, something about the life of Christ and the Holy Family, but also about us and the church. We see in this sorrow of the Blessed Mother, the church who longs for Christ's coming, a church who is aware of Christ's unseen presence and therefore desires him all the more. The church suffering and at the same time participating in Christ's redemptive work. Awaiting that final theophany, that final revelation in his second coming. And so, in a certain sense, the finding of the child Jesus is symbolic of this second coming, the reunion between the son and the mother, between Christ and his bride, the church. And when he comes, he'll say, did you not know that I had to be in my father's house about his business? And yes, working through the church, working through us when we let him, even from his enthronement on the right hand of the Father, working in the world through the church. And so the holy sacrifice of the Mass is an anticipated actualization of his return. And this particular time of epiphany is a radiant projection into the present of Christ's awaited advent. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, amen.